Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church dear. Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-A-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke, that didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? Uh, you know what? That one works. Blake, who's the queen? Is it Beyonce or Taylor or... Toby, even Travis Kelsey knows who the queen is by now. Welcome to the Church Gear Podcast, where we pull the tech out of the booth and onto the stage to share the most outlandish stories and hidden wisdom from the tech trenches. And now, here are your hosts. I'm your host, Blake Hodges, a man who plans to have Taylor Swift as the Queen used as the epitaph on my headstone. And I'm here with my co-host, who plans to have, can someone bring me a taco, as his headstone's epitaph, Toby Walters. I wish our listeners could see our show notes so they could see that you spelled epitaph as epitaph. Yeah, I definitely was. Let's just say for today's recordings, I was Googling stuff on how to pronounce it and spell it, and I was only halfway successful. Yeah, well done, Blake. So uh, there, I mean, we can argue uh, Taylor Beyonce, but... Uh, Is this just a Taylor Beyonce <laughs> pod at this point? I mean, people are going to riot. I, I think it's mostly just a Taylor pot at this point because you're so, oh you know, you gosh. you write the show notes, my man. So, you though, I know <laughs> you write your own quips. So uh, at uh, Church of the City, we had the our 10 year anniversary celebration. And uh, I've been part of multiple like anniversary celebrations at different churches, you know, over my lifetime. Have you been to? You know, it's like fellowship done a 20 year recently. Uh, on all the anniversaries of churches, they kick me out. So I go to that's when I start my <laughs> next church. So at Church of the City, which is like right in the heart of Franklin, obviously we have not even access to um, Christian music celebrities, but like that is their home church. So uh, the church planned this big 10 year anniversary celebration. And um, they said, on this Sunday and uh, it was mid-September this year. And they were going to do a concert on the lawn, both on Saturday night and Sunday night as a 10 year anniversary celebration. And the pastor said that he was, uh, had arranged some special guests from the Christian music. You didn't tell industry. me you performed. Well, you know, it's Blake. I don't know if you know this. My heyday as a Christian music celebrity is a little bit past. So bull crap. We're bringing it back. <laughs> So uh, the pastor kind of teased, um, you know, who it was going to be. And all of us had our guesses because we know some of the celebrities that go to Church of the City. Like we knew that we all know that Chris Tomlin calls that home. Um, I didn't know that until right now. Yeah, uh, we were kind of we were all kind of hoping that maybe Nate Bargatze would do a set because that's his home church as well. That's the only comedian you could get that's uh, boring enough for church. I mean, clean enough, <laughs> clean enough. <laughs> How about John Christ? There are other Christian oh, people don't comedians. Like him anymore. Out, well, there's there's still a lot of Christian comedians out there. So they uh, they got everything set up out on the lawn and they brought in local production company like Four Wall brought the lighting in. I don't know which production company it was, but they had church of the city has a mobile stage. And then they brought in, um, so local production company that had a and line array. They had a quantum three, three, eight at front of house. And Is this monitors. a celebration or a conference with sponsors? I mean, it was, 
it was a good sized event. I mean, when you get all the attendees of the different campuses of Church of the City, like there were probably 5,000 people at each at each night out on the lawn. So the first night, and I actually got to hear who it was beforehand because I know the production team. And so they they told me who it was going to be. So the first night they had um, Ann Wilson and for King and Country. Nice. And I didn't go to that night. We had family plans that night, but I, I'm a big King for King and Country fan. I love them. And then we went to the second night on Sunday night. And that Sunday morning, uh, the pastor had teased that he was able to line up his, he called it kind of his like dream artist, that if he could get this person, that that would be like the craziest win. And Did Taylor Swift <clears throat> actually perform? So he, he gave it away essentially by saying she texted last night and confirmed that she can actually do it. So like the, literally the night before, this artist texted him saying, hey, I can actually make it. So first of all, they had Matt Marr. And you probably don't know Matt by name, but you have sang many of his songs. He is a prolific worship songwriter. And he was awesome. He like he had just uh, like a stripped down set with. Um, a whoa, 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 Toby. Whoa, this down, is a Christian Blake. podcast. This is a musical term. I know you don't know anything about music. Okay. But uh, it was an acoustic set. It was him and a bass player and just a percussionist. And it was kind of like a Johnny Cash kind of set. He has that like dick troll voice and it was awesome. And then Chris Tomlin did come up at that point and again, kind of did like uh, an acoustic set. He had a full band, but it was acoustic feel. And, uh, and we'll get to this in a minute, but his, he was struggling with his in-ears. Obviously, oh, really? um, I mean, in kind of a, you call this a festival setup where you have multiple artists coming in, but... You know, there were only two or three artists each night. You figure, you know, they could have longer sound check, but he was just, you could just tell he was constantly walking back and forth to the the monitor board to try and get things fixed in his ears. Only we knew an in-ear guy. I know. And then the the special guest, she came up. Who do you think it was? Well, was it the queen? One would argue it was the queen of Christian music currently. Who would that be, Blake? Uh, Carrie Underwood? No. Reba McIntyre? No. My childhood crush? You're talking about country music. So Lauren Daigle took oh. the stage. And I, I would say at this current, um, you know, Christian music world, Christian music climate, that she is the queen of Christian music currently. She's kind of like, you know, how Amy Grant used to be back in the 80s and 90s. I know, Blake, like, you don't even know these names. Hang on, no. I recognize Amy Grant. I do, I do. <laughs> you don't know who Bono is, but you know who Amy Grant is. I listened to 88.7 growing <laughs> up, man. It was the Christian, is way of him. So, uh, yeah, Lauren came up and she sang a song or two with Chris Tom on his band, and then she did her own set as well. And um, it was awesome. Like, the whole night was great. You got thousands of people out in the lawn, just a, a great worship night, and all made possible, obviously, by Lauren's ears i mean how else can you get to the level that she is at without having those in-ears well speaking of someone that really could have used chris tomlin's help the in-ear monitor sommelier himself the maker of earphones for rock stars eddie cruz eddie welcome to the show uh can you confirm you didn't make chris tomlin's uh in-ears that night i can neither confirm nor deny <laughs> oh no wait a minute toby now, granted, Tomlin's issues, I can almost guarantee you, had nothing to do with his actual ears, his actual in-ears. It would be the the person mixing monitors, who is 
very likely not his regular monitor mixer. They weren't using their regular production guys. It was the the crew from the production company that provided you know the sound for that event. I, guys, this is such a dumb question, but why do you have to mix monitors for the person on stage? Why can't they just listen to the mix? Like I don't get it. Like I, I've always heard this. I've never asked about it. Why is that? Eddie, you want to explain this one for our cute little boy Blake here? Sure. Yeah. I mean, when you're talking in ears, it's a highly personal, uh, preferential thing. Um, you know, there's some musicians who just want drums, bass and click and then whatever else kind of blends in. Others want to hear it like they're listening to a record. Um, they want the nuance. They want the detail. Um, you know, so there's a bunch of varying levels in terms of what factors into why people might want that um, or, you know, what the preference is. Is there any hot takes, though, and opinions on, like, what the right mix is for that? Because it seems like, I don't know, that seems odd to be on stage and be selective about what I'm hearing. It seems like I should hear it all to know what's going on, actually. Well, Blake, as you, um, have you seen around church gear, Avioms, those are personal monitor mixers. And Avioms was one of the first to create, like, your own mixer, which, you know, all the musicians would have in front of them. And then it has up to 16 inputs so they can turn up the bass, they can turn up the guitar, turn it down, turn their vocal up. They can, you know, eventually they got stereo mixes so they could pan them to different sides. So... As you are hearing your voice right now, as we're recording the podcast, does it help that your voice sounds good in your ears? Well, that's true. That's very true. So for, and you know, when I was a Christian music artist, in-ears were very early on in their iteration and technology. And so I would often have one in and one out so I could still hear the audience. Whereas now there are ambient mics and room mics and, um, you know, we could get into Clang creating like 3D technology Because when you are, you know, when you're sitting out in the audience, you're listening to the mix, you're hearing everything around you. You're hearing the room, you're hearing the people around you. But when you go up on stage and you put suction cups into your ear, all that sound goes away. So you're reliant on what's coming into your ears through those in-ears to actually gauge your performance. This is so weird to me. Eddie, how do you, how do you like yours mixed? It depends. Um, it really does. Um, like, you know, I have a couple different sets given that I work for a manufacturer that makes in yours. Um, depending on the band the setup, you know, um, I, you know, play music as well as, you know, mix out and stuff. But if I'm doing a mix gig, I'm going to take something that's going to be more nuanced. That's going to give more clarity and depth. If I'm on stage, it just depends on the size of the band, who's all playing. If it's a stripped down set, if it's kind of got a full production backing tracks, the whole deal. So, um, I have a unique advantage, um, you know, owning a couple sets, but, um, in terms of how I build my mix, you know, uh, I just want a lot of energy. Um, like when I play guitar, I want my guitar up front so I can hear um, a level of detail that I need, uh, to help the energy translate in the room. Okay. Hang on. This might, this is making a little more sense to me. So I want to block out everything else because I don't have control over that. I want to block, I want to hear what I'm contributing so I can make sure it sounds good. Is that kind of the basis for it? I mean, that's the starting point. Like Eddie's talking about his guitar. You want everything else that's important in order to know where your guitar fits in with that's the it. rest of the band. But uh, I mean, yeah, you go ahead, Eddie. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say um, you're kind of working with a bunch of different elements. Like if you're in a touring band, you're going to have a, like a music director or someone on the stage helping lead the band. So that's going to be different to click. Um, churches nowadays are using multi-tracks, you know, so you've got multi-tracks lady in your ears counting you in and telling you what sections of the songs and all those things. So it just really depends on, um, you know, your role in the team, in the band and what you're doing. 
fascinating. And there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of politics to it. If, you know, we use that word correctly. So uh, I was joking with the production guys at Church of the City because they have a rivage at front of house and they have a rivage at monitors. But the rivage at monitors is, I forget which model is which, but the one at monitors is twice the size at the, as the one at front of house. And I said, I love how you guys have the, the much bigger footprint at uh, monitors. And I thought they were kind of joking. They're like, yeah, we got a lot of divas on stage. And I just sort of like <laughs> oh. chuckled and they didn't laugh. They just... Mm-hmm. Oh, no. So, you know, if you're singing a certain part, you might want to hear certain things, but you also might want to not hear some of the other singers because they could be distracting to what you're trying to do, even though you want to know that it fits in with the whole. It's very tricky, but then you want to tell the monitor mixer, hey, can you take Julie out of my ears? But I you don't how, want Julie to know that. I hate how Julie sounds. <laughs> She's the worst. We need to and fire truth be her. told, if I'm, like I said, it just depends if I'm playing with the rotation and musicians where I'm just gonna be like, this isn't going to be hyped. I'm going to use a different set that doesn't really expose kind of different levels of clarity and detail, you know, because sometimes hearing too much can kind of impact it. And in my brain being, you know, technical, I listen for the technicalities and I'm just like, okay, the, that's going to be too distracting. So I'll use something that kind of helps me and affords me the best ability to do what I need to do um, that morning. Toby, did you ever have a MySpace account? <laughs> Hundred percent, Blake. <laughs> this kind of feels. This reminds me of Top Friends. Yeah, Julie's not on my Top Friends. I don't let her in my mix, but Billy is always at the top. And it's a it's a completely different art, so to speak. I know it's like both are mixing. If you're mixing front of house, or if you're mixing monitors, or or if you're mixing broadcast, but it's very different. It's like you know painting with pastels versus drawing freehand. Um, it's a very relational thing when you're mixing monitors because you like all those musicians on stage, they're relying on you to give them specifically what they need. And you also have certain levels of relationship. Like if you're mixing monitors for Tomlin's band, you're going to make sure you get Chris's ears right. But the utility guitarist, you know, you're going to do the best you can. But that's not going to distract you from making sure Chris's ears are right, for example. I was just about to say, is everybody getting their own personal mixer? Or is there one mix engineer for every single person's in-ears? It depends. Um, <laughs> this is so know, complex. <laughs> it can. It can be nitty-gritty. Um, I'm blanking on which act off the top of my head, but they have um, a dedicated engineer for like the primary talent, like lead singer and stuff, for, for them to make sure their mix is dialed. And then they have, like Toby said, like um, the kind of like secondary um, mix engineer that focuses more on the backline band or like auxiliary musicians and that type of thing. So, Toby, can I get a mix engineer for our corporate meetings when I don't want to hear about operations problems? Can I just have <laughs> have operations uh, mixed out of my mix? Isn't that what when you just get up and go to the bathroom for like 45 minutes? I'm like, Blake, you need to eat some more fiber, buddy. Guilty as charged. Okay, I must admit, this is the furthest drift I think we've ever gotten from our five truths and a lie uh, after the intro. But I was well, it's so kind of like we're jumping into the meat of the subject before, you yeah, know, now our we, five truths and a lie. So now we got to go back to the, the appetizers. I know. I do love some chips and queso, though. So. Here we go, Eddie. Let's see if you can get us, um, now that you have edumacated me. Number one, I played in a band that toured with Phil Wickham and Jeremy Camp. All right. Toby, I heard Jeremy Camp's name like a billion times on Way FM. Is he, is he good? <laughs> Do you know who Jeremy Camp is? I know. I heard his name a billion times. Okay. I'm guessing he's good. <laughs> Number three, my family lineage has royalty in our bloodline. Hmm. 
I, that can mean a lot of different things. I actually, I'm not going to say anymore because I have a hunch on how that can help me win. Like Blake, you know, I am the Duke of Sopapillas, my favorite Mexican restaurant, because I've checked in more on Yelp than anybody else in the world. So therefore, does that mean that my family has royalty in their bloodline? How many the times Duke? do I have to tell you that Yelp and genealogy.com <laughs> are not the same, ancestry.com, they're not the same thing. Number three. I have visited five of the seven continents. These freaking audio guys, they, they are on all the continents and they always get me with this one. I, wouldn't it be funny if the lie was like, yeah, there's not actually seven continents? Because right now in my head, I'm like, wait a second, there are seven continents, right? There are two continents. There's America <laughs> and there's everybody else. Number four. There's America and not America. Yes. Each, <laughs> if I had to take a geology <laughs> test, not geology, geom, not geometry. Oh my gosh, geography. geography. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Like, I, I told you about drinking before these things, man. You don't know what's in this DMV mug. All right. Number four. Each of the four members of my family was born in different states. Number, well, I guess it's, well, they got four different Just bloodlines. Just focus and read here. Number five. I once got swarmed by killer bees and only got stung once. That has to be the lie. If you got stung by a killer bee, he's dead. I, it doesn't work that way. You have to get stung by a whole bunch of them. We need to rename this. I know. Number six. I once had to prove to the government that I wasn't three feet tall okay he's sitting down on his end of this podcast so how do we even know that he's not three feet tall eddie this is one of the most difficult ones we've ever had like i don't have a clue on any of them so i'm gonna guess just right off the bat so we can get to it i'm gonna say each of the four members of your family was not born in different states i'm gonna guess that that's true for two of them and then the three and four landed in the same state and eddie i'm gonna guess that your family does not have royalty in your bloodline so what's the What's, what's the, the truth? Lie? Yeah, we've locked in. Yeah, what's the lie? I have not visited five of the seven continents. Dang it! Every time! Are there seven continents? Can confirm. <laughs> there are seven continents. Technically, I've only visited one continent because I live on one of them, so I didn't visit it. All of these huh. audio guys, though, are so well-traveled. <laughs> I shouldn't even say audio. Like, all church well, techs come on this podcast so if, well-traveled. If they toured. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah. Uh, All right, what was the what was the band you were in that opened for? Oh Wickham man, and so we're going we're going back to like oh, late nineties, like ninety nine, two thousand. Um, actually, where both Jeremy Camp and Phil Wickham both got started uh, in Southern California. Um, I grew up going to Calvary Chapel and that network of churches, and uh, they were a part of it as well. And so um, there was this ministry called Worship Generation, and so um, you know <clears throat> it was kind of like a mixture of worship bands and stuff. Um, and we would travel and tour around and uh, play, you know, lead worship at different events and stuff. So Jeremy Camp and Phil were both involved in that. And our band was called Straight and Narrow. Straight and Narrow. I was, and I was added later. I was not a participant in naming the band. I love those like cheesy 90 Christian band names because we, we were all in one. That is such a good name though. Yeah. Like, you could pick up girls so easily. Just tell your mom I'm in the straight and narrow band. I'm a good, as good as it gets kind of guy. Um, speaking of uh, picking up chicks to make a lineage, what is, should we cut that? Um, no. Okay. Um, you said your family lineage has royalty in your bloodline. Who is the um, who's the royal? You got you and Henry uh, buddies. <laughs> so it's actually very interesting. About five or six generations back, um, on my dad's side. Um, she was a princess, um, a duchess or something like that. And she was in royalty and she married a commoner. And so um, she and her husband moved to the States and settled here. And that's how we ended up here in the States. And what country? Oh, Spain. Sorry. Okay. 
Spanish royalty. That's why he yeah. can't visit other continents. He's got warrants out for his arrest. Um, what, okay, so then how did you prove to the government you weren't three feet tall? What What is the deal with why that? Why did the government this think one, you were three feet tall? This one will, yes. Okay, so this one will get my blood boiling. So um. He's so even kill, I can't imagine him being mad. So here's the thing is all of my answers kind of play off each other and kind of shed light on different, uh, you know, parts of the responses. But um, when, so I grew up in Southern California, that's where I lived. And then I first moved to the state of Oregon where one of my children was born. And then now reside in Vancouver, Washington, where my other child was born. So, um, but before that, when we first moved to Oregon, um, you were doing, we were doing like the DMV thing, transferring licenses and all that stuff over. And so, um, my name got flagged in the system because apparently someone in the state of Kansas with my name, birth date, and was three feet tall, apparently, um, had a suspended <laughs> license. So they told me, you need to write the state of Kansas and ask them to provide documentation proving that's not you. I was like, are you serious? Like, are you not looking at me? I'm 5'11". I'm standing right in front of you. But that's the story. No. The government is the, that is the dumbest thing. Did we really put a man on the moon? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> that is insane. No, the whole thing was a sham. I just don't understand how, like, that is, whatever. Okay. All right, Eddie. So uh, you work with 64 Audio, and you guys make some of the world's greatest in-ears. 64 different types. And <laughs> probably your flagship artist is a lovely lady named Beyonce. Can you give us uh, the story about Beyonce's in-ears? Yeah. So we worked with Beyonce, um, man, for a while now, since like 2016, 2017 and stuff. Um, since around then, uh, James Berry, who is her monitor engineer, um, you know, we've had a good relationship with him and, and that. So she was gearing up to do her most recent tour. And they reached out to us and asked us, you know, um, she has this idea of what she wants to do. She wants it to be basically just bling all over the place, like shiny everything. So they reached out and they said she wants to do this custom faceplate with uh, diamonds in them from Tiffany. And we we're like, OK, that sounds pretty intense. And so um, we said, yeah, sure, let, let's go for it. So um, it was, I mean, quite the spectacle. You can actually go uh, on social media, on our Instagram <clears throat> excuse me, and in a couple other spots. Um, I think on Tiffany's page and stuff, we might have a video posted as well. But um, yeah, it was, a, it was just a great collaboration with Tiffany. They sent us some measurements kind of preliminarily of what they were thinking. We took it to our R&D team. They tested it to see, you know, the dimensions were going to work. Um, so, and then we sent it back to them. There was lots of back and forth, you know, because it's like it was a diamond encrusted platinum faceplate. Like it was just platinum. It was thick. It was maybe like an eighth of an inch thick. It had diamonds layered over it and then more di diamonds in different carrot sizes laid out, something like 80 per side or something like that. Um, and so they were like, you know, we're going to build this. We want to get it right. So um, they sent a sample over. We confirmed it fit. They did one more confirmation over. And the day those things arrived, man, it was just like everyone was on their feet walking around because I've never seen something shimmer like that in person. It was, man, we took, like I said, photos, videos and stuff, but those don't do justice as seeing it in person. So it was pretty, you know, it was a pretty cool project to get to do and also to get to kind of see how the process, you know, on that side of things, which we hadn't quite done yet for, but, um, you know, to kind of observe and see the feat of engineering that was. Do you, uh, do you know, like the appraisal on what those things cost? <clears throat> 
I don't, but I will say that when they shipped to Europe where her tour began, um, it was insured somewhere around the six figure, um, well over the six figure range. So, did there, did it present any technological difficulties? Like, did you have to adapt to having all this like weighty diamonds on it, or was it like, no, nah, it's fine. It's just it's attached to the exterior. Yeah, that's a great question. They actually built this sort of lip for it to slide into to make sure it was secured. Um, you know, everything that we use in house is acrylic based. So like um, in terms of like the materials and what we use to adhere the components inside is used with some some form of acrylic. And it was kind of like platinum attaching it to acrylic. So they weren't 100 percent sure, which is you know why so much measure, uh, measuring went on and they sent back and forth samples and stuff. Um, just to make sure that it was going to adapt properly. So um, that was probably one of the bigger parts of the challenge was just to make sure that it was going to stay on there and wasn't going to fall off. And Eddie, do you endorse um, churches starting giving campaigns so they can get their <laughs> their worship leaders these same diamond encrusted in ears? We have the um, the before version still available on the website. Actually, Beyonce, we have um, rhinestones that are some sort of, I'm sure cubic zirconia or something like that some cheap wish.com product that we can <laughs> inlay on them that we still sell on the website so if people want to go for that uh approach yeah that's available i don't know that i'd recommend this blake i feel like there are too many documentaries about like church misbehavior out there that you know putting <laughs> rhinestones in your inner ears and then going and leading worship on stage even though we know you know we're talking about fake stones just feels like it's a bad idea at this point. Uh, well, listen, I said it. It was it was a bad idea. I'm just joking around here. <laughs> that was not to be taken seriously. Um, and Eddie, who do you think is the queen? Is it is it Beyonce or is it Taylor? It's probably who pays his bills, Toby. <laughs> you know, I call you the king behind your back. Um, I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> Given, given Eddie the hard questions, you know, just, <laughs> hey, he's a smart man. I mean, look at that that face. I know, and Listen, that beard. I, I will say at one point I heard the name Shakira floating around, so I don't know. Whoa. Well, yep. yeah. now it's getting just, you know, fights on here. Well, because <laughs> it's Shakira, Shakira. I mean, that's been stuck in our heads since it came out. Um, <laughs> so, Eddie, give us a bit more of a your background uh, and your history and how you got into production. We know at this point, we got two data points. We got started in an early nineties band and then he's making Beyonce's diamond encrusted earrings. So there's gotta be some stuff from point A to point B there. That's in between. Yeah, for sure. Um, so for me, you know, I started in tech back in the overhead transparency days. So um, I don't know if you guys tell me. Probably oh, I sure that, do. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> walking around with the binder uh, making sure you had the right laser jet printer to make sure that they didn't <laughs> smear and oh, make man. sure, you know, doing the half sheet to make sure that, you know, the verse was only showing and sliding it down during the chorus. So it showed up the whole thing. So, um, yeah, that was back in junior high for me. Um, and that was kind of like my first kind of start into things. I was, you know, like I said, I've been doing music. I played music in churches growing up. Um, I've served on staff at churches in various capacities over the years, whether it was in, you know, worship pastor role, tech director, you know, as most churches have wearing both hats at the same time. Um, so that's kind of my background when it comes to that. And um, on the tech side, you know, kind of having to know how everything works together, um, the inner workings and, and stuff. My first digital console was the Yamaha PM1D. Um, 
that I sat behind that, you know, even the guys who were operating it didn't really know too much about. That's a serious <laughs> board to start with. And would you believe yeah. me if I said, we're still selling PM1Ds? <laughs> I would. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, not too long after getting familiar with the SD9 um, and, you know, I actually learned probably about four or five years ago that the SD9 is still a hot uh, commodity item, which shocked me. I was like, what, wasn't that like 15, 20 years ago? Um, but yeah, that was kind of, you know, my first foray, if you will, into like the digital sphere of things in terms of getting hands-on with uh, consoles, digital consoles and mixing and stuff. Um, I attended, attended a Bible college. Um, I went on staff after I finished the program. Um, two years later, I worked in the audiovisual department. Um, the Bible college doubled as a conference center. It had 15 different rooms. So when I went on staff, my job was to make sure that everything was maintained and functioning. Um, so, you know, everything from like executing room upgrades, um, you know, converting everything over from analog to digital, making sure that, you know, recorders and stuff like that were hooked up going from, um, you know, cassette to CD, um, you know, because this is what we're talking about 2000. What's a cassette? <laughs> <laughs> They're coming back. <laughs> and then, you know, running front of house and stage managing for our worship and production conferences, you know, um, within the network of Calvary Chapel. That was kind of like the hub where everyone would come to for the big conferences worldwide. So um, helping run those, the pastors, youth workers, conferences um, for the network, all of that stuff. And then also engineered in the studio that we had there. And how'd you get connected with uh, 64 Audio? Yeah. So like I mentioned, I've been on staff at churches in various forms over the years. And about five and a half years ago, the church I was a part of, it was a church start. Um, was coming to a close after a couple of years, um, just different reasons and stuff. But um, so from there, it was kind of like I didn't know what was next. Um, we weren't sure. My wife and I were just kind of prayerfully considering what next steps were going to be. And so um, I had just put feelers out to different companies. Um, I was around then is where I started to pick up a lot more contract work for mixing for different audio companies and stuff, which I still do to some extent today. Um, but so going from like, vocational job in ministry to like, I mean, something like this, it was, it was going to be a big leap. So we weren't sure what that was going to look like. So I had applied and then didn't get a call back for like three or four months. And when they called back, I totally forgot that I had applied for the job. <laughs> um, yeah. And so when, when they told me what their plan was and who they were hiring for, um, you know, I'm more so fit the demographic of like the, you know, the long-term goal of, you know, who, what roles they needed filled and stuff. Someone who, you know, had experience in churches and, um, in that capacity, who can speak the language and talk to church customers in that regard. And um, interestingly enough, though, when I first started with the company, I, you know, as you do with most companies, you come in in a customer service role. And not too long after I jumped into doing artist relations. So I did that for about a year and a half before I jumped into the church role. So kind of still do a little bit more artist relations stuff today. But yeah, that's kind of like where everything got started for me here. So speaking of artist relationships, uh, we looked at the 64 audio website and you guys have a very, you know, select roster, select meaning amazing artists on there. So obviously, you know, we talked about Beyonce, Lauren Daigle, uh, Jay-Z, John Mayer. Like, do you have some, some pretty cool stories of meeting some of these artists about, you know, being out on tour, stopping at shows? We want the juice, Eddie. Their inner's not working <laughs> and they threaten you with an inch of your life. Oh man. So, I always say that the answer to the question of um, 
you know, if you had a time machine, where would you travel back in time to? And the answer for me would be to 15 year old me, because 15 year old me would not believe half the things I would tell, you know, tell them that I've experienced working for this company in the last five years. Um, most recently, it was kind of comical. My boss came up to me. Um, I was, you know, responding to some emails and he's like, hey, are you available next week to fly down to L.A.? I'm like, sure. Yeah, I could do that. I mean, for the day, for the day, like I fly down and fly back the same day. It's like, yeah, you should be able to do that. I'm like, okay, that sounds great. Just to confirm, I'm flying out in the morning and then flying back that night. Sleep in my own bed. <laughs> this, is like, how, yeah, this is yeah, how I clear yeah. things with Toby. I ask <laughs> yeah. him every the same question five times to make sure he knows. He's like, yeah. So I'm like, okay, next question. Happy to do it, but why? He's like, oh, we need someone to go rep Metallica. And I'm like, okay, where are the other two guys who are in line before me? Uh, one of the guys, you know, I mean, you know, we all, aside from working here, still do production work. Um, not just myself, you know, one of our other guys, our marketing manager mixes at a church on the weekends as well. Um, and then another couple guys do some touring still. They either, you know, are a tech or they tour manage that type of thing. So one of our guys, the first guy in line was out on tour already uh, managing the tour. And then our other guy who would be next in line was out meeting with Beyonce interestingly enough <clears throat> so he was unavailable and so i was like sure he's you know that's what he told me he's like they're gone they're not available I'm like okay sure so just to clarify i'm flying out in the morning <laughs> going down to la spending the day with metallica and coming back and seeing my bed that night he's like yeah i'm like what do i bring with me nothing what do you mean nothing though they hired their own like audiologists to do molds and stuff like that so i'm literally just going just to be there he's like yep i'm like cool sounds good to me so that was like a pinch me moment because I'm just like standing in the airport waiting to board my flight. I'm like, what is happening right now? Like, how is this even possible? Eddie, if uh, things ever burned down at Church Gear for me, can I come work with you? That's, that's amazing, dude. So uh, Yeah, and it, it's been great. Yeah, how was James Hetfield's uh, earwax um, situation? <laughs> Did you save some? We could sell that on eBay. <laughs> you know, yeah, those guys are great. Um, he had like, uh, man, it was just great because seeing... You know, you see the guys on stage and you see how they interact and stuff like that. But, you know, James walking in cowboy boots and his jeans and his Stetson and stuff. It's just like, yeah, this is cool. But like you get the full picture of, you know, what what these guys are like off on and off stage. So it's been really cool. That is fun. Blake, uh, do we have any of those pinch me moments at Church Gear? I mean, we meet, you know, all the celebs like Eddie, obviously, Jeff Sandstrom, like, you know, all the famous people in the church production world. I will admit that the first time we met the MXU guys, I was definitely pinching myself because I'd done like a, you know, a dossier on who's the people in the space, who should we become friends with? And they were like, we'll never be friends with them. They're too cool. And then we became <laughs> friends with them pretty quickly. So I know what that feels like. I guess, you know, not to the level of Metallica, though. Yeah, Metallica is cool, but I also saw, you know, you guys even have, you know, Elevation and Highlands on your artist mm -hmm. roster. Are you, um, are you guys specifically, so is your role specifically working with churches or are you with all artists or does it depend on the day? Yeah, actually. So depends on the day sometimes, like a day like your boss comes up and asks if you can go rap Metallica, <laughs> but <laughs> um, primarily my role is working with churches and worship artists, so. You know, um, like you mentioned, the Highlands and Elevation, you know, they're folks. I mean, you, when you got kind of a, the production that Elevation's running, you got multi-campuses and you got your touring, you know, uh, aspect of, of, you know, your church and stuff like that. So like working with Bethel and Hillsong, 
those guys I'm working with pretty regularly, um, helping making sure their teams are all set up. And then also, I always like to mention that it's the church down the street that you never heard of, you know? Um, so big and small, all the way around, you know, we're working with all levels of churches. You know, as you list those church names, is, do either of you guys uh, notice how high churches loves to love to get? Church of the high lens, elevation. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of like, there's a lot Hill of, song. Yeah, I mean, it's just, that's a lot of height is all I'm saying. Um, well, speaking of churches, uh, churches often trail behind the world by about, what is it, Toby, 10 to 15 years? Uh, I mean, some of the churches are just breaking out their brand new song. They just learned, Lord, I lift your name on high. So uh, yeah, it is a common theme that oftentimes churches and not, you know, not Elevation and Highlands, they're often on the cutting edge, but, you know, a lot of churches, Eddie, are just now getting into Avioms, like the original Avioms. We still sell a lot of Avioms at Church Gear. Eddie, so, we sell packs and <laughs> packs of Avioms at a time. So have you seen kind of the, the same situation where, you know, you've got churches trying to catch up and even asking you, you know, what... You know, you're at conferences with churches. Are they coming up and just asking basic questions? Is there a level of just like basic education that you're having to provide the church down the street? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, a lot of it, I think we're past the kind of monitor phase of things um, in terms of wedges. Um, people are very well familiar these days what inners are and stuff. I think what we're more looking at is kind of going from a short 215 or like a generic KZ, Amazon special type of thing that a lot of people are kind of coming off with. So they want to know, hey, I have this in here from Shore or this KZ, this one has this amount of drivers or this one has that amount of drivers or what have you. What's the differences and, you know, what's the advantages? That type of stuff is more of what we're seeing. Um, and I am, yeah, like you said, seeing a lot of Avions still, the churches that I mix at, um, they're still using the A16-2s or A360s or I think that's, or A320s, whatever model that is the new higher up ones, but you know, I'm still seeing a lot of those around. And you talked about uh, like, you know, the basic sure models. And I remember, you know, 15 years ago when I was leading worship, uh, I know that custom in-ears were available at that point, but I was still using like the basic things that came with, you know, the sure PSM 200, the, the standard in-ears and we didn't have room mics. We didn't have ambience created in the in-ears. It wasn't in stereo. And so, like I mentioned in the beginning, you know, I was using one ear in and one ear out and the ear that I had in, I had to crank up because of all the room noise coming in the other one. So it was, is very disjointed. And so, you know, or Toby, that's where you got your vertigo, man. <laughs> what Blake? I can't hear you anymore. <laughs> And so are you having to, you know, educate churches on just the basics of how to mix in-ears properly so that you don't hurt yourself? Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. That, that That's a question that we kind of get regularly um, from people. Um, I always tell people, you know, because one of the things that kind of sets us apart and makes us unique in terms of a company is some of the technologies and stuff that we're using. We have a pressure relief system, you know, like Toby mentioned earlier with like you're putting a suction cup in your ear, but or you know technology called apex alleviates that pressure so you're getting more sense of openness when you're listening to your mix um we utilize a high driver that creates you know a better representation of the highs and widens the mids and drops the lows so we're getting a lot more um technical aspects in our product you know than you would compare to like a short 215 so kind of explaining those things and showing what the advantages are of you know what our product provides and what it offers compared to like even going from 
a generic fit that can be prone to letting air escape, you know, which factors into how much low end you retain versus like the custom seal that it provides, you get more low end retention and it isolates, you know, to allow everything to be heard better. So things like that. And there's some like basic education that is of health concern. I've seen posts in like church sound media tech groups of people saying, I like, is there a, another option for my in-ear monitor system? Cause I can't turn it up loud enough for me to hear what I need to hear. And that's, that's dangerous because those things are made so that you should have plenty of volume and not hurt yourself. If you're wanting it louder than that, like Eddie, would you say that you're at that point, you're using the wrong ears. Like you need to find some custom in-ears that you can create those fancy words that you said so eloquently. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the term, I kind of, kind of what you're talking about is headroom, you know, um, when it comes to that, you want more space. You're wanting to not have to crank your mix up as loud to get that. And just about everything that we offer, you know, on, in our lineup has that, um, you know, to certain degrees and stuff, you know, start talking more technical in terms of sensitivity and all those types of things, you know, what, what can be handled in, in that. But for the most part, you know, you're not going to deal with that aspect of it so much when you're getting into like a set from us, even our two driver model. Um, that's what I'm actually wearing right now, if you can see. But, um, Ooh, but where are the diamonds? Great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, even it's great for everyday use, you know, for just listening to music and carrying around with you and then it works well on stage. But if you wanted the kind of more nuanced, you know, like listening to a record type of stuff, you're going to step in more towards the top end stuff. So, um, yeah. So, you know, that, that's a very, very much a factor because it's like if you're overdriving your ears, um, one, with the universal, it's going to be more, more likely um you know because you're not getting that that isolation and hearing things properly um another thing too is like with wearing one ear on stage um you're trying to overcompensate so you have one ear closed off and the other ear that's open so you're hearing depending on your proximity to like the live speaker um you're going to get something in the range of 95 to you know over decibels that you're hearing externally versus like trying to match it on the other ear that's closed off and so you're cranking your pack and so you kind of lose um, a little bit more of that dynamic element that you get with wearing both ears and overdrive the one ear that can, you know, cause hearing damage later down the road if you do it too often. And are you guys seeing more and more churches use uh, in-ears for their broadcast mix if they don't have an isolated space where they can use studio monitors? Are they going that direction? Yeah, definitely. We're seeing that quite regularly too. Um, a lot of, especially that's where you're like, I mean, I don't have to explain to you the number of COVID did in terms of, um, you know, how church is being done these days in terms of like every church you walk into now has a broadcast rig and um, puts more emphasis in value and production and stuff. They took took the leap to to to, to do those things. But um, even as far as like using it for comms and stuff, um, you know, with, with, with in production environments and settings and stuff like that, we're seeing a lot of teams starting to switch over and use that because it gives them that isolation, a little bit more clarity to be able to hear things better. Okay, Blake, let's talk about wedges. So aside from what the bullies gave you in middle school, Blake, what's a wedge? Uh, one, no one gave me a wedgie because I'm a double black belt. <laughs> Number two, a wedge is the very delicious buffalo wild wings fries, and you can dip them in Asian zing sauce, and it's freaking I'm going to give you a wedgie amazing. right now. Oh, wait, you don't wear underwear, Blake. Why do you think it's a preventative <laughs> measure? 
So, uh, Eddie, are you seeing still a lot of churches using wedges? Are you seeing like more a combination or are most churches that you see just going fully in-ears this day and age? And I would throw a bonus question inside of that topic of like, how do you advise churches when it's time to get in-ears and when it's not? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think if I'm seeing wedges at all, it's going to be in smaller venues like a coffee shop or maybe the youth room or something like that. Something that's not as smaller stages and stuff like that. That's where you're going to get more of that. Um, but yeah, most places, I mean, I'm shocked that some churches even have youth groups using in-ears now. I'm just like, uh, it would have been awesome when I was in the youth band. Like it would have been super cool to have that as an advantage, you know, even a short 215 or something like that would have been super cool to have. Um, but yeah, so um, like I said, it, it's it's more of kind of going from the that that two fifteen generic universal fit in your two custom that we're seeing a lot of um, changeover happen. And as I visit a lot of churches, obviously, like a choir or an orchestra can be a little tricky because you could have you know 50 60 people up there on stage you can't necessarily give them all in ears and so oftentimes they're just like little monitor cubes or something i was actually at uh, thomas road baptist church which is connected to liberty university and they have downfills above their choir as their choir monitors and that was interesting you know just imagine speakers above your head firing down on you it's very tricky for the audio guys to mix, but it would be really nice if you could just give all of them in-ears. Toby, I've heard a lot of rigging horror stories at this point on this podcast. <laughs> I don't want any speakers above me. Even the string lights we have here are too much. <laughs> uh, Eddie, are you seeing any new technology coming down the pipeline in this you know, space of in-ears and monitors and all this world? Yeah. Um, you know, kind of... One of the things that put us on the market was kind of affordability in terms of like how inexpensive things were. And then, you know, as your as companies just grow and expand, you start to deal with natural growing pains and stuff like that. But one of the cool things about us is we've continued to pursue innovation and not compromise um, in terms of like all those aspects. So um one of the coolest technologies, like I mentioned earlier, that we use is Apex. It's a pressure relief system. It helps provide, you know, relief. You can listen for longer. You can actually turn your mix pretty loud. It would actually take, we've done tests. Um, it would take, it would have to be upwards of 120 decibels to be listening in order to get it to, you know, over drive your in-ears. So that way, it, and that's, you know, you're going to damage your ears and it's going to hurt. So you're not going to crank your pack or anything that loud for it. Um, so, you know, between Apex, which helps with, with some of that, and then our tubeless high driver, um, it utilizes at, at the end of the canal on in-ears, and this is hard without to explain without it being visual, but essentially at the end of every in-ear, there is, um, traditionally like multiple bores, um, a couple smaller ones and two larger ones, depending on how many drivers and stuff you have. Um, what we did is we incorporated a single larger bore that helps open things up. So you get in that clarity. And then from that aspect, we kind of look at things acoustically. It's like, okay, what can we do with this? So we set uh, a tubeless driver. Every driver traditionally has been connected to those tubes, sending, you know, depending on the frequency ranges down into that. And that will, that's what provides a frequency response. With the high driver, we're able to achieve, you know, like I said, uh, clearer highs, wider mids, deeper lows. Um, and so a couple of technologies that we actually started to introduce now, it was actually came out a couple of weeks ago. Um, is is kind of the next step towards innovation um and it's interesting and unique and 
Um, I'm going to try my best to describe it with like again without the visual aids because you know you got to kind of think acoustically and, and technically with some of this stuff. But um, one of the technologies is called true isobaric. Um, what it is is you know every driver, the speakers and the in ears is essentially you know millimeters in size and some quarter to half. No, um, maybe half inch, not quite quarter, inch, but half, half inch, no, eighth inch, sorry, going backwards. Um, but every driver is about eight inch in size and space in the in-ear, maybe smaller depending. Um, but you're working with, you know, limited spacing. Um, so with low end, it's kind of like you need more, you know, more to drive and push the air to maximize the sonic spacing. The largest you kind of get in like a KZ in-ear is what they call a dynamic driver. It's more cylindrical. It's like probably, you know, the small little batteries that kind of go in the toys that you can think of the small ones, about that size, nine millimeters in diameter. So what you end up having is something that's pushing air, but nowhere for the air to go. So with true isobaric, what we figured out is we coupled two of those low dynamic drivers um, and configured it to allow better dampening. So you're getting um, more low frequency response without the low end getting smeared. So you're not going to get something that sounds or feels overdriven when you crank the lows in your ear. Um, that's something we introduced um, in a model that we call Valor. Um, it's a made-up word. Um, we invented that too. All words are made <laughs> oh. up, Eddie. That's the thing. <laughs> you imbue meaning upon them. But um, yeah, that's one of the technologies. And like I mentioned with our high driver that allows for more clarity, um, we utilize a new technology called waveguide. And essentially, you know, with drivers and tubing and stuff like that, you have different components that allow certain frequencies to pass through. And then you have other things that kind of help it, you know, with phase time alignment and things like that, that factor in. Um, but with an open driver, it's kind of like you get what you get. It's open. Similar to like an open back amp. You're just going to, it's going to breathe and it's going to breathe and sound how it sounds. And you can't really control. I mean, you might have some tone knobs at the top of the, excuse me. You might have some tone knobs at the top of the amp, but you know, anyways, all that aside, um, the technology with waveguide that you're getting is you're getting more control of the frequency response and you're able to help, you know, things translate in specific ways. So. It's funny watching, you know, Blake try and understand technical terms. It's kind of like when we tried to explain uh, immersive audio to him and then he then sat in the MXU demo room and they played stereo and then they turned on soundscape and his mind was blown. I feel like you need to put AirPods in his ears and be like, okay, listen to your footballers podcast with that. And now let's give you the 64 audio customs. And then you listen and watch your mind you blown again. You remembered you know? the name, Toby. That's really nice. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and Eddie, how about like, is there a 64 audio version of AirPods where it can connect to your iPhone and Bluetooth and all that stuff for us dummies? <laughs> we would uh, love for that to be a thing, but, you know, taking a step in that direction with R&D and stuff, you start, you know, dealing with things like DSP and frequency, uh, radio frequencies and stuff like that. And that's well beyond, you know, any of us have any experience in and then. Um, so it's definitely a project where, you know, you look at it and you're like, that would be super cool to have, but you got to outsource it. Um, so short of, you know, acquiring a company that already does it, um, you know, it, it's, it's going to be a big feat to achieve when we get there. I bet it'd still be cheaper than Beyonce's in-ears though. Well, and let us know before you do it so we can get in early on that IPO. This is not insider trading FTC. Um, Okay, so Eddie, if I'm a church tech listening to this and I've got my worship leader, you know, begging to get in-ears next year, he wants me to include it in my tech budget, but I don't want to do that. I want to put in money for the next Digico X711. Um, <laughs> what, like, how do you advise churches on, like, 
hey, you know, you definitely don't need in ears. You definitely do. If budget provides, I'm guessing those are the three categories. Like, how do you, if you were church tech listening to this, how would you kind of advise them? Um, yeah, it, I mean, the overall kind of approach to things is really, what are you going for? You know, um, there it's just like everything else, right? Um, you put money in what you value in terms of production. So if, you know, you need a better projector or you want to move to the LED wall, you want the, you know, <clears throat> the SQ5 or Q5, sorry, from Allen and Heath, or, or you want the Digico um, SD9. Do you want the KZ universal generic or do you want the 64 audio custom in ears? Um, you know, there's advantages to all those things. So my job is to help customers find the right, you know, model because we have everything from two drivers all the way up to 18 drivers per ear. So how do they know which of those is going to be best for what they do? And I'm here to help answer those questions and help them figure out, you know, what in those spaces work well for you. But then also like, do you, what do you need? So, um, in terms of like purchasing and things like that, what we look at, you know, we, we have, we do work with churches in terms of pricing and stuff. So we have a church program that's great, that works well, but then we also have like group buy incentives and stuff like that. So if you got, you know, 20 people, we're going to look at that and we're going to offer something that, you know, is going to work well and spread out for everyone to be able to get into what they're looking for. And oftentimes, Blake, uh, the, the production department will purchase the wireless packs like the Sure PSM, and they'll come with the, you know, standard Sure earbuds and they will provide those. But the custom in-ear molds like those are literally a personal fit. You know, they have to. Are you aware, Blake? Of I how? am because Jeremy, <laughs> my best friend, who is a worship leader, got in-ears and he was so excited. And the way that people talk about their in-ears is a very intimate, hallowed uh, tone of voice. And I, I just I've think noticed. of like contact lenses. It's the same kind of deal that, you know, your production department isn't going to get a bunch of contact lenses and then say, here you go. Here's some generic contact lenses. Like they're all custom fit. They're literally in your ears. Here's so, your in eyes. Yeah. It's uh it's often a, a personal purchase that, you know, the worship team or the band or whatever, they'll buy their own in-ears and then just plug them into the wireless backs. I see. Um, well, Eddie, you know, if that didn't fit my ear right, that might be a little bit of a disaster. Um, so speaking of... <laughs> I'm trying to make a segue here. Yeah, that was a terrible so segue. speaking of disasters, uh, do you have any good disaster stories of uh, your time working with so many artists on the road? Maybe a time that their in-ear didn't fit. Maybe a time you went to measure someone's ear and they had so much earwax it broke your mold. <laughs> um, man, I off the top of my head and even trying to thinking ahead to some questions like that, I I'm, can't. I've seen more, let's just say this, I've experienced and seen more uh, of my fair share of worship fails in person than I have, you know, other kind of technical <laughs> failures and stuff like that. So um, to the point where it's like, man, I wish we had a camera. We did not have a camera out, you know, so. Moral of the story, always have a camera going. I have a disaster story <laughs> I can just throw in because I heard it just, we were talking about Chris Tomlin and this, uh, you know, yeah. the Church of the City 10-year anniversary. And honestly, I forget who I was talking to, but I was saying how, you know, Chris was really struggling with his ears. Like it, he couldn't hear certain things. He kept going over to the monitor mixing mixer, asking for changes. And the person I was talking to must have done some tech work for him at some point. He said, well, it couldn't have been worse than the time I blew up his in-ears. Oh my gosh. 
Like I hope not while they were in his freaking yes, ears. Yes. Oh my gosh. So I don't I don't think it did any permanent damage to his ears, but it was very much uh like, ow, that hurts. You know, you pop the the ears and like literally his one of his monitors blew. And I'm sure that did not feel good to his ears. So that person was horrified that that had happened on his watch. And yeah. Eddie, have you ever heard of that happening? So that makes me think of, I was going to say, if you want to talk disaster on the customer end of things, um, I've heard of sound spikes happening um, and stuff. A lot of people, you know, one, one of the number one kind of service things that we deal with is earwax, go figure, something that goes in your ear, right? Um, but sometimes, you know, wax builds up in a slightly thin layer, so thin that you can't even tell that there's wax there. Um, so we always help people clean your ears and, you know, they, they come in. They clean them. They, you know, swap out a couple things here and there, and they work brand new. Like, how? What did you guys do? Like, we just cleaned them. Like, there's just no possible way. Um, but there was one scenario specifically that makes me think of is there was a sound spike, and the guy was like, "My ears just don't work anymore." And apparently, the pressure from the sound spike pushed a bunch of wax forward and caused <laughs> <laughs> some clogging going on in there. Um, we've also heard stories of someone sending their ears in. We can't find the email, um, but it's a it's a 64 audio legend that a customer sent in their in-ears back to us because a panda ate them. Um, <laughs> not not sure what they were doing wearing in-ears around a panda. I've heard uh, my in-ears were dropped when I was on a golf cart and they got ran over and crushed. Um, they got crushed in the door after church. Um, you know, I heard, I mean, this happened to me personally, honestly. Um, I've heard it from a customer, but before me too, this happened. Um, a, my dog ate my in-ears. Um, well, I was running a rehearsal one time in my my music room um, and I stepped out to go grab a cup of coffee and I had left them sitting out and my dog was in the room and then I come back not even two minutes later and my ears are crushed. I'm like, what on earth just happened? And uh, apparently we have some sort of chemical that dogs like and it reminds them of them and <laughs> they just get gnawing. So pretty crazy. I wonder if your in-ears, that's like a QVC check. Like, can it make it through a dog's <laughs> intestinal system and still work? That'd be quite impressive. Um, well, speaking of things that still work, Eddie, uh, tech takeaways, they're always working and we're always asking for them. And so uh, we'd love to wrap all our episodes with one and we were hoping we could get one from you. Uh, clean your ears. No. There um. it is. <laughs> <laughs> what if he had said that and hung the zoom up? <laughs> it's a very practical tech takeaway. <laughs> No, um, really. I mean, that, 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 that really is a very much a thing. You know, we, we sell tools and products and stuff that help with that. Everyone's ears are different. Some produce and generate wax more regularly than others. Others, not so much. But like I said, 99.9% of the issues that we work with deal with wax. So um, I would say like if you, you know, every set of in-ears, no matter if it's us, no matter if it's like a JH or an Alclair or um, UE, they all include a little cleaning brush. Just give your ears a little scrub and pick away any wax. And um, pro tip is honestly, you can just get like a alcohol pad, like a little, you know, you know, they, they sell at the Target or like uh, CVS or something drugstore. You can grab one of those pads and just wipe it down and it'll just look brand new. So in years. I'm feeling a marketing tagline here, Blake. Like your mix sucks. <laughs> Clean your ears. I like it. Yeah. I mean, I think that really just points to an overall takeaway of doing the little things that you get bored of are most of the consequential things. Um, well, Eddie, uh, we really appreciate you coming on, man, and giving us the scoop on the ears. No scoops of earwax, thankfully. No one's headphones exploded today, so that's always a plus. Oh, wait. 
Eddie, what do you want to plug, man? I know we've said 64 Audio a couple times, but real quick, you want to plug them? Yeah, 64 Audio, um, world-class in your monitors and all the other fun things we've said over the years. But no, yeah, um, like I mentioned, we do pricing with churches and stuff, so we're always looking to help people get into where they need to get to. So if you're part of a church um, and you want to you know, get set up with an account, you can email me directly, eddie, E-D-D-I-E, at 64audio.com. Um, it's a pretty simple, straightforward process. I just ask a couple questions, gather some information about your church, build an account, and then we set pricing. If, like I mentioned, if you're looking to do a group buy with your church, um, we can look at, you know, it, it's based off of kind of like how many and what models and stuff like that. So we kind of look at those things and kind of put some numbers together and set, try and work towards something favorable for everyone. So. And if you work with Eddie, you can then say you are one degree of separation from Metallica. So if that's not a reason to reach out, I don't know what. Or royalty. There we go. All of the above. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today, man. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks for hanging out with us. We hope to see you back next week for more absurd stories, tech takeaways, and overall buffoonery here at the Church Gear Studios. Blake, have you ever heard that uh, something like, you know, two, on average, two spiders a year crawl into your ear while you sleep? No, I thought that was you eat spiders. Never heard of you hearing spiders. I, I feel like I've heard that. And, and I feel like that's a great plug for in-ears that if you just purchase comfortable in-ears and left them in your ear while you sleep, how is a spider going to get in there? I think that would be a good ad for them. And if I was thinking of an ad for us, I'd say we should start encrusting our gear with diamonds and selling it. It seemed to work for Eddie and them. <laughs> what if we did it with zirconium and told them people it was diamonds, then we could charge a lot of money. This is a good point. I mean, I'd rather have diamonds in my ears than spiders. That's true. And if you would like to put uh, diamonds in your friend's ears instead of spiders, send them this podcast and say, hey, put this podcast in your ears. It's a Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church gear. Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke, that didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? Uh, you know what? That one works.